Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Today is Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Last night, Donald Trump gave a State of the Union speech. Damn, how many times did he lie? We have them. We're going to show you the lie and then show you the truth. Oh, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Not the one white conservative evangelicals like. In a surprising move, Senator Mitt Romney votes to convict Donald Trump for abuse of power. Also, speaking of abuse of power, the Texas Southern University Board of Regents, they voted last night to fire President Austin Lane. We'll give the latest on that. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom grants a posthumous pardon to openly gay civil rights leader Byron Rushton. And also, Wendy Williams goes in on Jay-Z and Beyonce for not standing for the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Y'all remember the last time I had to deal with Wendy. I shall do it again. And Michigan State University apologizes for their hanging black dolls display. Oh, yeah, we got a jam-packed show. It's time to bring the funk right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go.
Time for us all kinds of talking drama today after Donald Trump gave the State of the Union last night uh, before uh, the House and the Senate, of course. Uh, in his 80-minute speech, he said a whole lot of stuff. And so we're going to go ahead and break this whole thing down. So what I want to do is go ahead and set it up. Are y'all ready? Because, you know, whenever we, you know. All right. Cause, so please, can we get it right now? Because I'm about to go right into this whole deal. Because I need to set up all the people who are watching. So, of course, uh, this was a Thursday of the Union speech, the last one before the election uh, in November. And so, uh, different folks, different shows talked about, oh, how strong it was. And you had the pageantry. And uh, he saluted the Tuskegee Airmen. He gave a Medal of Freedom to that racist Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and then, it was like, all this other stuff. But it also comes down to, that's all of the optics. But it also comes down to... What actually are the facts, and what uh, do they amount to? And so, uh, since you don't have a sting ready to find, play the first one. First comment by Trump. I am thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. Our military is completely rebuilt, with its power being unmatched anywhere in the world, and it's not even close. From the instant I took office, I moved rapidly to Stop revive right there. the U.S. economy. Stop right there. Okay. Stop. First of all, he said it's the most powerful economy we had in history. That's actually a lie. You've had other presidents who've had greater GDP growth than Donald Trump uh, since he took over as president three years ago. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, you can dance around with it, but it's a fact. Now, go ahead and play the next one slashing a record number of job-killing regulations, enacting historic and record-setting tax cuts, and fighting for fair and reciprocal trade agreements. The unemployment rate... Okay, stop right there. He talked about, again, the economy. Do you also remember uh, what the economy was when he took over as president? Under President Barack Obama, uh, you lost more than seven points off the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate has gone down 1.2 points since Donald Trump has been president. So it's a little hard to say you inherited a bad economy when you've actually had 11 years of actual economic growth. Not only that, in the last three years of President Barack Obama's tenure, more jobs were created in America than the first three years of Donald Trump's tenure. Folks, those are simply basic facts. Press play. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, and Asian Americans has reached the lowest levels in history. Well, there actually was a point when we were all unemployed, but we know that was also during the period of slavery. What Donald Trump also did not talk about, when you talk about economic for African Americans, black home ownership rates are at its lowest since the Fair Housing Act was passed in 1968. I've repeatedly asked this administration, where's your federal housing plan? One doesn't exist. Press play. African-American youth unemployment has reached an all-time low. African-American... Uh, we had Bill Spriggs on our show just a couple of weeks ago. Who is he? Of course, Howard University economics professor, former head of the economics department at Howard University, and a top economist for the AFL-CIO. Uh, also not true when it comes to 
black youth unemployment. Again, I don't understand why you would put things in a speech that are very basic that people can actually fact check. Go. Poverty has declined to the lowest rate ever recorded. Donald Trump talked about poverty and food stamps. One of the reasons why you have few people on food stamps is because they changed the regulations when it came to work requirements. And so you can't just say more people off of food stamps and poverty has decreased because you actually kicked them off because of your regulations. It's not because of economic growth. It's because you actually changed the rule. Y'all got any more? The unemployment rate for women reached the lowest level in almost 70 years, and last year women filled 72% of all new jobs added. The veterans' unemployment rate dropped to a record low. The unemployment rate for disabled Americans has reached an all-time low. We are advancing with unbridled optimism and lifting our citizens of every race, color, religion, and creed very, very high. Since my election, we have created 7 million new jobs, five million more than government experts projected during the previous administration. Under the last administration, more than 10 million people were added to the food stamp rolls. Under my administration, seven million Americans have come off food stamps and 10 million people have been lifted off of welfare. Now, now, hold up, I already, I already I told y'all about that one. We know that's a lie. But you know also what was missing the $30 billion we've given to farmers because of his tariffs? I wonder if, do, oh, I'm sorry, we don't call that welfare. We call those subsidies. Go ahead. Years under the last administration, over 300,000 working-age people dropped out of the workforce. In just three years of my administration, 3.5 million people working-age people have joined the workforce. Like I already told you, last three years of Obama, more jobs were created in those last three years than the first three years of Donald Trump's presidency. That's just a fact. Press play. Since my election, the net worth of the bottom half of wage earners has increased by 47 percent, three times faster than the increase for the top 1 percent. Do y'all know how much money the top 1 percent saved with Trump's tax cuts? Hell, that really ain't hard. Play. After decades of flat and falling incomes, wages are rising fast, and wonderfully, they are rising fastest for low-income workers who have seen a 16% pay increase since my election. Just the same part of the fight is $15 for a minimum wage? I thought so. Go. 
This is a blue-collar boom. Our roaring economy has, for the first time... If it's a blue-collar boom, boom, why is it that we saw a decrease in manufacturing jobs by 12,000 in the month of December, even though last night he claimed manufacturing actually is increasing? Not true. Go ahead, press play. Never given many former prisoners the ability to get a great job and a fresh start. This second chance at life is made possible because we passed landmark criminal justice reform into law. Everybody said that criminal justice reform couldn't be done, but I got it done, and the people in this room got it done. All of those millions of people with 401ks and pensions are doing far better than they have ever done before with increases of 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100% and even more. Thanks to our bold regulatory reduction campaign, the United States has become the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world, by far. Oh, my God. Y'all, do y'all know when America became the world's top energy producer? In 2012. It happened under President Barack Obama. It was not because of Trump, and it was not because of his regulations. It literally happened in 2012. All right, let's go to my panel. Joining me right now is Robert Patillo. Glad to have him here uh, from uh, Atlanta, executive director of the Rainbow Push Coalition Peachtree Street Project. Also, uh, we have Angela Stanton King, founder and president of the American King Foundation, attorney A. Scott Bolden, former chair of the National Bar Association Political Action Committee. Robert, here's the deal. If there are things that you can stand up and take credit for, you do so. But you don't stand there and lie and for have folks easily fact-check it. We didn't come to become the world's number one energy producer because he became president. It literally happened in 2012. Well, well I, I, I'll say there are good and bad parts of the speech. Uh, there were uh, the parts that I really thought were uh, strong and powerful. I, I like seeing Republicans spending that much time reaching out to African-American voters. There needs to be competition for the black vote. How did because, they reach out? Well, well be, between the Tuskegee Airmen, the young woman who got the scholarship to go to college, talking so deeply about African-American unemployment, the Opportunity Zones uh, discussion he had, re-entry uh, programs for the Second Chance Act. So he spent a lot of time talking about the black community and black voters, and and whether, it, whether it's ingenuous or not, the point is that both parties need to be competing for the black vote because when both parties compete for the black vote, you get better policy initiatives coming out of it. So I'm trying so, to understand, you talked about one young girl getting a scholarship, yet he also wants to cut $1.9 billion from Pell Grants. The, so hold, hold on. No, no, I'm, I'm asking, but if you want to celebrate one young black girl getting a scholarship, but you want to cut $1.9 billion from Pell Grants, that's where most African-Americans get funds to go to college. And, and this is why I say there's good, good and bad in the speech, which is on, on the one hand, we have Republicans competing for our votes. On the other hand, we do have to ensure that we hold them accountable for the promises they are making. So you can't talk about the importance of black education and also talk about uh, cutting Pell Grants. He also talked about fully funding Social Security, which he had completely not done. He talked about... No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. That. Hold, up, yeah, hold he, up, and that's what I'm going to bring in Angela. Angela, he talked about fully funding Social Security. He literally is requesting cuts of billions of dollars in Social Security. He also said in his speech, protecting uh, when it came to pre-existing uh, conditions, uh, that's a lie. I mean, it's just a flat-out lie. They're in court trying to end the Affordable Care Act, exactly. and there's no health plan. So 
What I'm trying to understand is, if you want to give a speech and you want to laud things that you've done, fine. But don't lie about stuff that you have not done. Well, first of all, in regards to the speech, I want to black back up a little bit in regards to the little girl when you say it's one little black girl. He also asked Congress to pass a million scholarships for a million children. That's also in the okay, state of the union. If now, if it had been a white girl, million, we wouldn't say nothing. No, no, no. No, no, no. If it had been a white girl, no, 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 no. none of us would have something to say. No, no, it's because it was a black cutting, girl. If you're cutting to... First of all, here's a piece here. Why is he cutting? I've, I've interviewed... Here's a piece. Because he wants to cut... He wants to cut... Um, let me just read it right here. Where is it? Do- Donald Trump, I'm, I'm reading Where are you here. Reading this from? I'm, I'm reading this here. Now follow me here. This is, Donald Trump wants to cut, requested to Congress to rescind $1.9 billion from the Pell Grant program to redirect the money to NASA. Now, if most African Americans, if you go to HBCUs, mm-hmm. okay, first of all, most, most HBCUs, 85 to 90% of their budgets come from student aid. Mm-hmm. You cut Pell Grants, you're actually cutting so, opportunities. So, so why would you call for a million scholarships, but you're cutting Pell Grants when that's actually how folks are going but to But he school? also permanently funded HBCUs. Let's not pass no, that no, part. No, yes, he no, did. No, no, yes, stop. he did. Oh, we oh, can oh, fact oh, check oh, this. Oh, not oh, only that, he oh, also oh, lifted oh, federal what was the against number? faith-based HBCUs. What was the number? No, no. Please tell the public what the number was. For a publicly funded, for no, funding HBCUs, it number. was two hundred, either two hundred and fifty million or two hundred and fifty billion, possibly. No, it wasn't exactly billion. which one it, it was. was. It was two hundred and fifty-five million. Okay. Now, for the people at home, how much did Obama give? No, them? for the people at home, hold on, two hundred and fifty-five million per year. Hold up, cutting one point nine billion per mm-hmm. year, two hundred and fifty-five million, one point <laughs> nine billion. Mm-hmm. That ain't even a comparison. Well, what I'm saying is, that, that's the equivalent of, of saying but twenty dollars. What you're saying and is factual. twenty thousand dollars. How do we know what you're saying is factual? How do I know? Okay, would you what like are you me reading to read it? from? First of all, I'm reading the article from Forbes.com, not oh, a liberal so, publication. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not about if it's a liberal publication okay, or not. Okay. Okay. So I'm shit. sorry. Henry, go to my iPad. Here okay. is a story, March, May, 2019, from the Associated Press. Headline, mm-hmm. Trump targets Pell Grant money <laughs> for NASA's budget boost. So has he would removed like this money? Another, would you like Have they source? voted to, relo- to remove this money? Has he done it? Then what? Has he taken that money away from HBCUs? He's taking yeah. money away from the Pentagon to build a wall. <laughs> hold up, I'm sorry. We're going back to That's, HBCUs. No, 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 hold up. Has he taken the $1.9 million away from them? <laughs> no, first of all, not from HBCUs. It's Pell Grant Has dollars. he done it? Has oh, he taken it? He requested Congress to cut the money. Okay. So my point is this here. Why then would you talk about, hey, let's do a million scholarships? No, he didn't. When you're cutting. <laughs> no, he asked, you, you said. Yeah, he, he asked, asked them to, to pass it. a million, but, but he funded HBCUs. Let's no. be clear. And he also. No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. That Obama let's, put hold in up. Place. let's be real clear what was passed. Okay. What was passed when it came <laughs> to the issue of STEM dollars. Mm-hmm. We had Congress, Congresswoman Alma Adams on the... One second. And he also Hold up. One permanently second. placed one the second. HBC initiative in the White House. We had Congresswoman Alma Adams <laughs> and Congressman Mark Walters, Republican, on this show discussing that. It was Senator <laughs> Lamar Alexander that held that particular up. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that was a creation of Trump. That was already a program that existed that lapsed. Y'all don't want to give the president credit no, for no, signing no, 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 executive no. orders. Trump doesn't have to no, sign No, that wasn't anything. an executive order. He did sign an executive no, no, order no. to find Angela, Angela, Do you want to Angela, fact check this? Angela, what was passed by Congress, that was passed 
by Congress. It and wasn't an executive order. He signed order. an executive order for HBCUs, giving them $250 million in infrastructure. That was last year. This was something else that he did on top of okay, that, which but was you're talking about. But and again, he's though, also placed me, okay, the HBCU so initiative me, inside the White House. Here. Let me add the $250 million but this infrastructure. But this is the president that don't care so about black $255 million, now we had wait $500 million. But if you're trying to cut $2 billion in Pell Grants, I think, Scott, that the $2 billion in Pell Grants <laughs> is actually going to help far more people than five hundred, because that's actually four times well, as much. Well, why are they saying he's going to do it? Yeah. Hold on one second. Well, sitting on the board of trustees for Morehouse College, those Pell Grant cuts and the other cuts from um, uh, from this administration uh, are far more uh, uh, difficult to 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 keep kids in college at historical black colleges and African Americans at other colleges. Uh, so there's no comparison. Secondly, given the state of historical black colleges, 250 million for infrastructure for uh, 100 historical black colleges on an annual basis is a drop in the bucket because many of them haven't put a lot of money of their own based on their own fundraising into infrastructure. One of the things about Morehouse, it's a gift and a curse. Uh, the movie with the African-American women who were the first at NASA to send uh, the astronaut to the moon, they used Morehouse facilities because how aged they looked and were. And they compared it to in the 50s or 60s when this movie was done. And so uh, you've got to break down these numbers when you talk about doing stuff for African-American students, historical black colleges, because those, those numbers matter, the differentials matter, and the comparatives matter, because we deal with it every day, every, every couple of months, on the board, not just of Morehouse, but even the top historical black colleges. But when you say $1.9 billion he's trying to cut, is that just for HBCUs or all no, no, colleges? No, 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 Y'all trying to make it seem no, like he's no, just no, trying no, to no, take no, away no, from no, black people. Not That's not true. And first of all, you can't use they. Let's be true. No, no, hold up. I was very specific. Are you saying he's cutting that from HBCUs? Let me defend. I said very clearly $1.9 billion in Pell Grants. So for that's all of the universities across the nation, so it's not just black people. First of all, I said though. that. It's and not what just I, black people. And what I said, no, and what I money, said is, out of the folks who do get Pell Grants, it's a disproportionate number mm -hmm. of African Americans. And what I did say is that HBCUs, unlike traditionally or pr predominantly white institutions, have a greater reliance on students getting but financial he's aid. But funded HBCUs. Than students. Ahead, I haven't what, read what, anything what, about <coughs> funding any other colleges. Hold on. This is what I, I, I think we should, we uh, should do. You don't coming think out. other colleges get research dollars and development dollars? I'm sure they do, but dollars? I'm just talking uh, about the initiative of HBCUs. Oh, my God. Go ahead, Rob. But it's a drop My point, yeah. Why would a racist give black people My point about my point about last night's hell, racist where slaves fed black people. Exactly. Yeah. Why would a racist my point about, yeah, my point about Robert, hold on, second, Robert's talking. White my, yeah, my point about the good what and bad of the speech. Robert is talking, folks. We should, racist. Let's give him, racist. we should give him credit for what he's done. We should hold him accountable for the things he wants to do in the future and work towards getting the best public policy going, uh, coming out of that. So, yes, we can give him credit for the money he's given to HBCUs. We can also still criticize him for the cuts to Pell Grants and understand that we're going to balance the budget. We have now we're running a $1 trillion year-over-year deficit. Now, hold up. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on, what did you just say? 
a one trillion dollar. Because I ain't heard nothing from the party of the Freedom Caucus. We haven't about any about a, yeah. about you know all them deficit hawks. Uh -huh. I mean, it's like they just all like just went away. We're running a twenty three trillion dollar national debt. Most of that owed to China. So when we're talking about the things that need to get cut to balance the budget, we can't then say we have a one point five trillion dollar tax cut for uh, for billionaires, but we also need to take away your Pell grants because we have to balance the budget or Medicaid this is, uh, and or this Social is what Security. I mean about having what a they're talking about doing. Exactly. This wouldn't be about having a balanced view. Yes, I am glad the president put more money into HBCUs, but let's build on that and find out what we can do going forward <clears> instead <throat> of seeing these things as being a completely see, partisan see, see, he, evil. Here, so, so when you mention Bill, when you mention Bill, when you mention Bill, this is this is what I talk about when I talk about uh, the shell game. Okay, and this and this is why when you're examining what someone does, mm -hmm. you have to look at the totality of what someone does. So, perfect example. Donald Trump last night talked about the First Step Act and assisting people who are getting out. But while he is saying that, his Department of Justice is also moving, telling U.S. attorneys, pursue the most number of years exactly. you can get to put people in prison. Right. Rescinding what Eric Holder said is, your promotions are not going to be based upon how many people you put in jail and how many years they get in prison. That's one. While he's over here touting these, uh, the First Step Act, he's also criticizing the, the black, excuse me, the progressive district attorneys who are actually doing more to deal with mass incarceration. When you talk about Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, Kim Fox in Chicago, Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore, Aaron Marciala in Florida, and I can go on and on and on. You're talking about, again, First Step Act, uh, mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, which led to the Department of Justice, go back to using private federal prisons. You talk about... What's wrong with private prisons? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, my gracious. Hold up. I'm not, I'm, not have, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. I am not done. I am not done. can't tell then me. Then he talks about, I've been again, in both of them. then again, the First Step Act, but then over here, you also say we're not going to pursue federal consent decrees against police departments in terms of how they interact with people with police brutality and they try to stop it in Baltimore, try to stop it in Chicago, right. and he has said to law enforcement, we are no longer going to do those because of that. So, the shell game is, oh, I've done this, but I've also done all of this, which I don't want y'all to really talk about. Let that right there is an issue. And so, if you want to talk about the whole picture, Let's talk or as Paul Harvey said, now the rest of the story. That's right. Let's talk about this. Go ahead. Right. Now, first of all, in regards to the First Step Act, what the president did was historic. Now, y'all claim he's a racist. He did not have to sign that order. He could have left all of those people in prison. He could have been just like Obama Can and not got it passed. Exclusive? Excuse me. I'm sorry, hold on. When we right, talk about... Right you said, like Obama didn't get it passed. Who exactly. Obama from getting it? Wait a minute. Who land? blocked Trump no, no, from building no. the wall? Who that goes both ways. Justice it goes both ways. No, no, actually, it doesn't. Obama passed everything else he, he wanted to pass. Actually, here's why you're wrong. It. He passed everything. And who blocked Trump? You're wrong. You're wrong. The Republicans were in control of the House exactly. and the Senate for his first exactly. two years. Mm -hmm. They could have passed the wall. But I'm going back to this here. But they did. I'm going back to this here. You want to say what Obama didn't do. Who blocked criminal justice reform under President Obama? It was not Trump. Who blocked it? It wasn't Trump. But who blocked it? It wasn't Trump. <laughs> but who blocked it? It, it don't blocked. matter. It yes, wasn't it does. Trump. Yes, it does. Trump gets blocked, too. No, no, no. And every no, no, no. presidency, that happens in every president.
Grassley. It was, it was Chuck Grassley. Yeah. It oh, was no. Jeff Sessions. It was Tom exactly. Cotton. Jeff Sessions did it. And, 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 so and okay, are these the same people that came back there? General. But you can't... But what does that got to do with Trump? Well, Obama didn't do this. Got everything. It don't have nothing to do with him. don't that your party blocked it. Okay, and my party passed it. Who? Trump. No, you're actually... He signed it. Actually, your party didn't He signed it. He signed the executive order. Did Trump sign the executive order or not? No. First of all, Angela, let me help you again. Did Trump have to sign the executive order? The First Step Act was not an executive order. The First Step Act is called an act because it's an actual law. President Donald J. Trump signed an executive order on December 18th, 2018, putting the First Step Act into law. Angela, listen to me. Please, if you're going to come on any television show, have the basic facts together. Well, I want you to have the your fir- facts Angela, too. the first, let me just walk you through. The first step act mm-hmm. started in the house. Don't matter. It was being shepherded Who through Angela. Excuse me, Angela. I was there when he signed Excuse me, Angela. Just listen. Would it have gone Angela, without listen. President Trump Angela, signing listen. it? No. It was shepherded through by Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. Okay. After it was passed in the house, okay. it then went over to the United States Senate. Mm-hmm. That's where Senator Cory Booker, Senator Kamala Harris. No, 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 no. Excuse no, me. No, 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 no. Excuse no, me. No, 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 no. Okay, go ahead. Okay, uh, you were just listening to the facts. Okay. Senator Kamala Harris, mm. Senator Cory Booker, mm. Senator Chuck Grassley, mm. Senator Dick Durbin mm. all said Doug these are Doug Collins is not in the Senate. He's a okay. congressman in but the he House. He still has something no, to do he's with the first step back as well. If you're going to come on talking about it, get your facts straight. Okay, but Kamala and Cory voted against it. Here's what happened. So they didn't want black people out of you stop. I'm just saying. Here's what happened. They said <laughs> these things have to happen. The House version was light when it came to... They were only like, well, let's just do sentencing reform. <laughs> it was Durbin saying, this is a non-starter. The bill was changed in the Senate. Mm-hmm. That's what took place. Mm-hmm. Now, did Harris and Booker vote for it in the end? No. Of course Were the not. changes made? Yes. Were there black caucus members who were telling them also, well, changes need to be made? Yes. Then it went to, the, once it got passed, then it went back to the House, they reconciled, then it goes to the president. Mm. But you can't sit here and say, so, so one, when it, got it wasn't to the president, executive order. When it got to the president, did the president have to sign it into law? No, he didn't have to sign exactly. it. Exactly. So we're going to give him his credit for signing it into law. He signed, a, bi- it he signed a bipartisan... He, he signed a bipartisan to, criminal justice reform but bill. But a white racist don't have to and black by the way, And by the way, first of all... Do both. For, for, he doesn't well, have to, though. Right. Have to. Scott, well, go ahead, Scott. He doesn't have to. Some Scott, of the go ahead. Some in American history <laughs> and conservatives have given money to the UNCF, i.e. the Koch brothers. It's called white guilt very often. What and is it guilty of? Why they're guilty of being racist. Why are guilty of having guilty conservative Guilty of being racist. This man been helping black people, people ever since we know and make, it, and make it very difficult for black people to matriculate in this country. Nobody so hated him until he became guilt. a Republican president. I'm Everybody was cool with him before yeah. he became a Here's Republican my issue. president. No, actually, Here's my actually issue. him and Melania were birthers in 2011. Exactly. It's a whole bunch of black folks that appreciate that. Here's the problem. The real problem. Scott, go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Scott is talking. Go ahead, Scott. The speech, you know... I want every president that has good economic numbers to be able to speak on it and to give the report. But but when you, as you said, Roland, when you when you got an economy that's 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 rolling, the problem with this president is he didn't say it was rolling. He always compared it back to prior presidents or or Barack Obama. I mean, he said it, it was it was awful. Right, it Everybody was obsessed it. with it. Well, can we the talk about the black One second, Scott's talking. One second, Scott's talking. This, is the, this was the biggest you can make problem. Your point, then Robert. This okay. was the biggest problem under the Obama administration. The GOP complained when he was president 
because he didn't clean up their jacked-up economy fast enough or good enough. Remember, he inherited an awful economy from a GOP president. Let's just be real Losing clear. 500,000 jobs per month. Exactly. I remember it well. Now, these 11 years of growth, Barack Obama's administration certainly had everything to do with that. The last three years, this administration... And the growth take started credit. in June of 2010. Go oh, ahead. Great. So this, this president ought to take credit for continuing that growth. But he doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. He says it's the greatest of all time, and basically the Barack administration and prime administrations did literally nothing. That hyperbole, those false superlatives, is what's troubling about this president, which is why the speaker tore up the speech, because it was a litany of more lies okay. to add to the 16,000 he's told in the last three years. Okay, so can That's I say the problem. I think that Nancy Pelosi was very petty for tearing up the speech, because first of all, the man already gave the speech. The president was petty news. for not shaking her you hand. To, why would you shake a hand of somebody Somebody is trying to remove you from office. Well, but she's not trying to do it. She, she fought speech, against that. But anyway, up a speech. So after it's already been delivered for the nation. You're not stopping anybody so from hearing it. But this is what I want to say. Why did you have to shake her hand? Why did you have to shake her hand? Why did you shake her hand? That was so petty. No, no, actually. But it's a huge difference because the speech was about the people. It wasn't about the president. Hold on one second. But the speech was about the people that were honest. We're talking about the little black girl. We're talking about the Actually, Angela, what I can also show you. Let me get my point. No, hold on. Let me get my point. I'm going to say this and you can make this point. Okay, go ahead. I do recall there being a president who was respectful of a Republican Speaker of the House mm -hmm. who was also blocking many yeah. things that he did and see, he still had decency to shake their hand. You think exactly. she's respectful? Who? You think Nancy Pelosi has been respectful? Like I said, you also had a Republican yell, you lie, and Obama right. was still respectful. They have been exactly. trying go ahead to make your this point. man ever since he got in office. I'm not even going to go there. But here's the thing, what I want to talk about, the point that you made about the food stamps, and you talk about them kicking people off food stamps. Let's be clear, because AOC and a lot of Democrats have lied about this. These are able-bodied people. Those food stamps were not taken from anybody that has children. These are people that are able to work. Now, if you work part-time, you can still get the governments. Now, me, I'm a mama. I got three sons. They grown. I'm not taking care of no lazy person that does not want to work. There is nothing wrong with forcing people who are able to work to provide for themselves. Now, with the little girl that was given a scholarship, what I don't like about my people is that we have more hate for the president that keep us hating him instead of celebrating them. Just like with Alex Johnson. Hold on, just like with Alan jo Alice Johnson. We're more mad at the fact that President Trump freed her than we are happy that she's free. I'm not mad. Just like with the little girl, Janiya Davis, last night. We're I'm more upset no, that it was a black girl on the stage than the fact that what she actually received. Let's appreciate what's happening for black people. You got a pretty low bar Regardless for of whatever. I, That's I a low love bar. the president. You may. A lot of you well, people, but see, a lot of y'all just have biases. I don't have a bias I'm talking about the people it. that hate the president. So nothing is going to be fair. Anything that he does for people, for us, for those of us that have a voice to say, hey, I think that this president deserves more credit than he get. We're not going to never get past the hate. But here's the, here's the difference, though. What has he done to make y'all hate him? Y'all, you keep talking about me hating the president. I mean, but what, what, Deep down, what's your I want the president, Scott, Scott, because he drives a ne negative narrative, first of all. No, that's a Democrat. You, you, keep, you keep telling, well, I'm a Democrat. You keep telling me so why that we're mad about the little... Hold up. You're going to ask Scott a question, let him answer. Scott, go ahead. I didn't ask the... No, yes, you well, did the, ask him a question. The little girl. Why you said, why do you hate him? Whatever he does that's constructive for people of color or black people, 
I'm all with it. You don't hear me criticize the president, but he's got a body of work and a negative, racist, misogynistic background and narrative What's the, that he drives. Hold on. Background. He drives for the last three years What's and the even before. Background? That'll take too long for the show, but let me just say this. Okay. Facts. Well, he equivocates people, the Nazis, with people with good people on both sides. That's wrong. Right with that. That's, That's wrong. Exactly That's what he wrong. Said. Now, when those people right. were out there he kept protesting, black people out of his no, 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 no. The president, the president had. Said it with hold on, none. no, they were they were sued back hey, then because of Section Eight. They did not want to accept Section Eight. For I got people That's on my family. You don't have to. That's we can pull true. the back. Yes, can. it is. Listen. They settled. Nobody. He was he racist when he gave Jennifer Hudson a place to stay when her family was murdered. Oh, let me tell you something. Oh, so if I'm a white racist and I give you a place to stay. But you, that, that, was he racist when he got the award for being with Roses, Rosa Parks? Was if he racist when he started the Rainbow Bush Coalition? If I get beat in the black Was he racist when they were sending money? Was he racist when they were sending money over the Abbott? Was he racist when he stood with Michael Jackson? Was he racist when he stood with Michael Jackson? Was he racist when he was running with Mike Tyson? Was he racist when he was running with Mike Tyson? Robert Hughes was white. Excuse me, I'm talking right. Robert Hughes. This was interesting. Well, thank God he got acquitted today. So, so Angela wants us to celebrate <laughs> one person. No. But ignore the hundreds of thousands of no, millions. I want so I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. First of all, I'm not pushing a like racist yes, narrative. Are. What I am I laying out are identifiable facts that anybody can go check. And so here's my point. My point is this here. I can say, thank goodness. He used the power of clemency to mm -hmm. free Alice. What I can also say is, thank goodness, Obama used the power of clemency to free more than 2,000. I'm, I'm not done. 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 What I'm also, and what I'm also, Obama what I'm also can look at is that President Barack Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder put in place practices and procedures in the Department of Justice won't tell to what deal Barack with the Obama issue did. of criminal justice reform. Talk about what but, when, but when you have a president and his Department of Justice who wants to get rid of consent decrees, who has said clear that we don't want to hurt the feelings of officers because, you know, y'all morale is low. So, so, the, day, so the reality is this here. The reality is this here. I can look at two things and say, yes, Thank goodness he used right. the power to free Alice. Exactly. But if you over here are it trying to lock to up now. a thousand more Alices, it was, guess that's, what? That's not true. Robert, that's is it a true. fact? No, Robert, are you an attorney? Well, okay, hold that's up. That's not true. Angela, are you an attorney? That's not true. Are you an attorney? Nope. Robert, are you an attorney? Now. Robert, is it a fact? Is it a fact that when Jeff Sessions became attorney general, he rescinded the procedures of Eric Holder and said to U.S. attorneys, I want you to pursue the highest number of years to convict anyone going through the federal prison system. Sound like Joe Biden. I'm not done. I'm not saying. Joe Biden that the same thing. That is Clinton. accurate. And, and did William Barr also continue that? Continue that. And, and, Go ahead. And, and more importantly, on the Jeff Sessions front, because I think the stain of Jeff Sessions on this administration, on this nation, will take decades to And who hired Jeff Sessions? President Trump hired and Jeff Sessions. And who's continuing Jeff Sessions' policies? 
uh, Attorney General Barr. Go right ahead. But, but let's, let's understand that Jeff Sessions also diverted Justice Department resources from combating uh, violations of affirmative action, from violating hate crimes, uh, in order to, uh, to investigate uh, anti-white discrimination in colleges. That's something that flew under the radar that Jeff Sessions did about two years ago, but that policy hasn't been rescinded. So didn't, I, they, didn't, they, didn't also, under Jeff Sessions and under William Barr, uh, how they were targeting black identity extremists, mm -hmm. but then was stripping money to investigate white domestic terrorists? Exactly. Okay, so, so I think we have to put ourselves in a position of doing is understand that as African Americans in this country, the title of the presidency is just that, a title. It does not belong to any one individual. It's not a title of nobility. You have it while you're there. It leads when, uh, uh, lead, uh, stays there when you leave. We have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent interest. So when the president does the first step at, when he does the second step at, which is currently trickling. When he works towards, uh, towards these initiatives, let's support him and uh, big him up on that. But at the same time, be critical of these other things that he does and work on legislative means by which to ameliorate those. So, 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 so with that said, Angela, are you, right. critical, are you critical of when, when Jeff Sessions and now William Barr says we're going to pull back from consent decrees? Do you agree or disagree with that? I disagree. I'm going do you, to disagree do you, do, with do, anything do, do, that harms do, do, black people. Do, do you also do you also hold them accountable and say uh, pursuing as many years as possible for federal crimes is also wrong? That you should stick with the well, Eric Holder rule. We we know that that's wrong because that's exactly what Joe no, no, Biden. No, 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 that, that's, no, that's not what I asked you. No, no, I asked you. I asked you. I asked you. You like to talk over me when you don't want me to get back out. Angela, I'm going to say that. I asked you, have you articulated that to Trump? No, no, you just bringing this to my attention. No, you didn't know this. No, this I did been, not. This is a public I did not. matter. But now that you knowledge. excuse me, but now that you're saying that, that's the same thing that Joe Biden did and Bill Clinton pushed through and Bernie Sanders, and that is the reason for mass incarceration. What we dealing with right now and what we are fighting. Actually, so I think, if I, want, I think no, that's true. Did not do that. No, that's that 94 actually, crime bill three strikes you out. Was written by Biden, say, signed by. Allow, allow, say, allow me, allow me, allow me. First no, 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 no. I got Joe Biden. Okay. They got life. We want to. They got life. What do you mean? Excuse me. But they got life. Excuse me. If we want to deal with the facts of mass incarceration, <laughs> what we're dealing with is a series of procedures <laughs> that went from 1970 all the way through the early 2000s. Three strikes wiped so, us out. No. Let me let me go through that. And so what you had is those who have studied mass incarceration say you have you saw mass incarceration explode mm -hmm. through a series of policies that were enacted from 1970 through the 2000s. Mm -hmm. So that means you saw it explode with the initial war on drugs, mm -hmm. about Richard Nixon. Mm -hmm. We have the notes from H.R. Haldeman, mm -hmm. who specifically said the war on drugs was there to target black people. Keep going. Okay? That's where it started. Then what you then had is you had this whole continuum of this, let's just lock them up, throw away the key. Now you get into the 1980s, and now you have a crack e epidemic, and then all of a sudden people are saying, hey, we do something about that. We also saw when Lynn Bias committed, when, when he died of an overdose, and Congress rushed to pass new drug laws and did not even think about the repercussions mm -hmm. of those drug laws. But the trickle-down trickle effect of that is... That, no, no, hold up. 
that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to explain to you is, you want to make it sound like that's the only thing. What I'm saying is, no, it was wanna, a series it like of policy initiatives that, really, that really, took really... place over a 30-year period okay. that led to more than 2 million people were incarcerated. Okay. And Joe and Biden what we was had... up under Obama for eight years well, first of all, and did nothing. And now you guys <laughs> okay, okay. advocated for now, him now, first to of be all, the president. Now, first of all, we also know and for a fact... Does not we, regret also, it. we also know for a fact, Robert, that one of the things that was an outgrowth of the uh, 1994 crime bill was when, you said did nothing, <laughs> one of the first bills that President Obama signed, Vice President Joe Biden, was actually decreasing crack the powder cocaine right. uh, ratio from Look, 100 to 18. Go ahead. Well, one thing we have to remember this entire conversation on uh, on criminal justice reform and, and its uh, genesis, from 1968 till 1992, Republicans were president every single year except for the uh, Carter administration. The four years, Four years from 1976 to 1980. Other than that, from 1968 to 1972, Republicans completely ran, uh, ran the United States government. As an outcrop of that, and because President Clinton was elected by such a slim margin, that is what pushed over that uh, 1994, uh, 1993 Biden crime bill to the 1994 uh, crime bill. What we can't do, now that we have 30 years of understanding how disastrous that was, is not allow those things to return. Right now, the Georgia governor is uh, pushing a uh, gang bill, as he calls it, which is actually a mass incarceration bill, which will increase the sentences for people who... The Republican are governor the, in the Georgia. Uh, governor Kemp is doing that right now. And, and, do, they, and do you have but, Republicans who all of a sudden now want to tout the First Step Act? Are they saying to the governor, Governor, this is wrong? So that, that's my point. I, that, I live that, in Georgia. There's a lot of gangs down there. But the, but the point is, we know that the Clinton-Biden crime bill in 93 did not work, so we do not need to return to those things now. So instead of relitigating the past, let's learn from the past and ensure that we don't return to that now. So the, uh, when it starts happening in Georgia, what we usually see is it spreads around the country. We saw that with Stand Your Ground laws in Florida and Georgia was then expanded nationally. So when you see this uh, reduction of rights, this reduction of reforms that are wrapped into this tough-on-crime, we're going to fight gangs, we're going to fight human trafficking, we have to ensure that we are not returning to those failed Why policies and working going forward. Listen to what I'm saying. It didn't work. We did it for 30 years. It did not work. We, at one point in time... What do you suggest? Georgia had the largest prison population in the Western Hemisphere at what one point in time. What I suggested, the same things that will cause people to not be in gangs in Sandy Springs and in Johns Creek, they're the same things that will cause people not to be in gangs in uh, on the Bluff or in English Avenue or in Bankhead. You need economic development, you need mentorship, you need infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You fix the conditions at home so that people do not have to enter the alternative economy, as Angela Davis called it, then you reduce gangs. Locking people... Nobody who joins a gang says, oh, man, if I join a gang, that could be after 15 years in prison. A 13-year-old isn't think like thinking that. about it. They don't right. So what you do is fix the conditions, and that's why we can't return to mass incarceration. So instead of fighting over what happened in 1993, let's fight about not having it happen in, tw not having it happen in 2020. Yeah, but you would agree that the bill that you're talking about in Georgia is inconsistent with the, the 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 laws, the federal laws that are trending now, exactly yeah. that that are talking about less incarceration, more rehabilitation in and before you get to prison, we know. So the, the question is. Is the, is the Republican infrastructure, Angela? You're Republican. Exactly. Yeah. Is the, yeah, it, no, Angela, I'm going to finish the question. Go ahead. Is the Republican infrastructure saying to Republican Governor Brian Kemp, this is not the way to go? And if they aren't, why aren't they saying <laughs> it? So this is what I actually believe. 
Georgia what are you is telling horrendous. the GOP, though? That's what's his question. Go ahead. What are you I'm going to let you GOP? answer for me. No, no, no I'm not. Because he was talking to me. I was clarifying. This is how I feel about the situation. Georgia is horrendous for gangs, okay? what I agree with what you said. We need to put in some type of infrastructure other than just putting people in prison for life. But something has to be done. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Georgia but, 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 is look, dangerous. I, I, I've, I've represented enough people in okay. gang cases okay. right there in Fulton County Courthouse mm-hmm. to let you know that locking them up for an extra 10 years will not change not one thing. The only thing that will happen is you lock an 18-year-old up for 15 years, you're going to have a 35-year-old with a PhD in gangs who's going to be getting out of And that's usually years. in your state prisons because there's no rehabilitation there is in no, state so, prisons. So, so, that's what I was but there saying, is rehabilitation if, in private prisons. Yeah, if, if we can interdict and we, we can put programs in in the beginning to instead of simply say we're going to lock you up for, for a lot longer, <laughs> that what we need to do is rehabilitate. So this is my entire point on these things. Uh, Listen, when you but, talk but, about but a private prison, prison all private prisons private. are regulated but, by the uh, state that they are operated in. Well, Rob, they don't Rob, get to Rob, choose Rob, how many Robert, go ahead. Robert, no, no, Robert is making his point. Go. And roll with me on this. Let's understand that if we understand that these policies are the wrong policies and we support President Trump on the first step at in efforts to reduce prison populations on the federal level, then why can't Republicans and Democrats both come together and say to our legislators now, not just in Georgia, but nationwide, we are not returning to mass incarceration policies. We need to be re- uh, focusing on interdicting in the beginning and rehabilitating on the back end. I think that is the point that I'm trying to make about reconciliation, that instead of us yelling at each other, if we all agree on something, let's just do that and not, uh, not allow the fringes to control our political system. I, I think that's the way forward. Okay. Can I ask y'all a question? Now that we got past that, how do y'all feel about the president's stance on life? I agree. I'm pro-life, so I'm with the president on life. Define life. Hold up. Define life. Define stance on life. <coughs> His pro-life stance. Does that also protecting include... Protecting the unborn. Does it, does it also include... No, we're talking about protecting no, no, the unborn. No, 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 no. See, that's no, no. what pro-life See, hold is. hold up, hold up. I, no, actually, that's not what pro-life is. I'm a pro... I've been a pro-life activist. <laughs> no, no, no. Pro-life see, is about no, saving unborn No, no, babies. see, right there. You're trying no, to take it somewhere no, else. No, no, I'm not. Yes, you no, are. No, what I'm doing yes, is... What I'm yes, doing is... You can't answer no, the question. No, no, I can answer the question. How do let me also be real clear. Let me also be real clear as a Christian author, as the husband of an ordained minister. And also, when you say life, y'all want to limit to to abortion. What I'm saying is, when you want to say limit abortion, no, 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 you want to limit the conversation to abortion. And what I'm saying, no, 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 you said the unborn. No, 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 no. I'm going to expand a definition of life. If but that's a, not, no, that's no, not no, what this no, is about. No, 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 no. Yes, it is. No, it's because not. You don't want no, to be not. about You're that. You're trying to go somewhere No, I'm not. Else. See, Angela, 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 if you're going to ask me a question, let's talk about late-term abortion, how do you feel about late-term abortion? First of all, 1.3%, first of all, let's define late-term abortions. Late-term abortions represents abortions after 21 weeks. Only 1.3% of all late-term abortions after 21 weeks. And the facts also show that in most of those are to save the life of the mother. Now, not so... Ho- these new laws that okay. we just See, passed. Oh, no, no, okay, no. How do you feel no, no, about the fact second. that more black one babies second. are you being asked, aborted than born? You asked me a question. But I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> this is the issue you're right here. You're not being here. factual, This though. is the issue when folks talk about life. You're not being factual. You want to talk about the unborn. Because that's but what I'm life not is done. About. That's what pro-life what is about. What you don't want to deal with are the kids who died in cages. What you oh, don't we can deal with that. No, 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 no. What you don't want to deal with... What you don't want to deal with are the sexual assaults of those kids by the folks who would uh, uh, border patrol. No, no, no. That wasn't by border patrol. That's by their peers. You got kids being molested in juvenile detention. Y'all don't care about our kids. You can't care about the kids that 
at the border and I care about our kids. You can be as loud as you want to be. But you can't care about the kids at the border and I care about our kids and juvenile detention because there's no difference. See, you don't want to answer the question. You don't want to talk about killing unborn babies. You want to talk about babies at the border. But that's where y'all wrong at. Because our children been in cages forever. The issue I have is this here. When people, when I hear Republicans, these white conservative evangelicals talk about Because it's okay to kill a baby in a wall. I'm going to use a story that uh, took place. A pastor in Omaha, Nebraska. He don't want to answer a group the question. Of white... No, no, Angela, I'm asking you a question. No, you're not. But see, you no, can't listen. You want to go around. No, no, Angela, no. I'm going to tell you what somebody said. A white pastor, white pastors came to a black pastor in Omaha, Nebraska, and they said, uh, Pastor, we want you to participate with us uh, in this pro-life march. And he said, oh, not a problem. He said, but also, I need something from y'all. He said, uh, I need your assistance to deal with the crack houses that are, in, that are happening because that's also lives in there. White, conservative, evangelical, pro-life pastors What they say, got to do with what me, me and you talk excuse about me, right now? I'm talking. But me and, and you, you listen, this is what they said. They said, oh, pastor, that's your problem. So what they were saying is, on the issue of pro-life, dealing with the unborn, they were saying that's our problem. This black pastor, Robert, who said, who said, I'm pro-life, he said, not just when it comes to the unborn, but those who are born, these white evangelicals said, no, 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 that's your problem. And so that's part of the issue. When I look at the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church is pro-life, but also anti-death penalty. But you've got these white conservative evangelicals, and I'm not done, I'm not done, and some, and some, and some black conservative evangelicals who are ardent supporters of the death penalty, but then they say, I'm pro-life. I'm thought? one of them. I'm one of them. I'm going to get you in a second, Robert. I think that's exactly what my point is, that life cannot end at birth. That's what we have to understand. So when I say I'm pro-life, that means I'm pro-life. I'm anti-death penalty. I'm anti-violations of the Eighth Amendment. I'm anti-cruel and unusual punishment, long sentences. I'm anti-a lack of health care. I'm anti-a lack of housing. I'm anti-a lack of education. Anti-not having a clean environment. Because if we're saying we are pro-life, that means we have to support the lives of, of every human being. If we say that every single life is sacred, I believe every single life is sacred. And that, it's also when you say you're pro-life and you care about the unborn, but then you provide no neonatal care for those black women. Then yeah, you don't deal with infant mortality rates. Then you don't, then you don't deal with those That's black wrong. women who we are actually dying in childbirth. That's but, the thing but, that... But, see, y'all love the, to say that. Point, black women be giving birth forever. Uh, uh, so stop uh, using uh, that as an excuse uh, for us uh, to murder our children. First black, of all, I'm not it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing in my skin that's going to make me die from childbirth. There's nothing in my skin that is going to make me die from childbirth. Black women, every black person in this world has gotten no, no, no. Wrong. You are wrong. Angela, you're you are wrong. wrong. No, you're wrong. Would you won't you like let me talk. But, you, like you won't let me talk. You Serena won't let me talk. Williams. Excuse me. Who the hell? Listen, Serena, Serena Williams, Williams ain't got no statue. Black, a rich black That's woman. That's one person. Excuse me. You cannot sit up here and make it seem like black women are dying from giving birth when we have been giving birth forever. That is a lie from hell to get us to continue aborting our children. As a black man, for one, you wrong for even going on that lie because black people are here because black women gave birth. Now, here's my position because abortion has wiped out 46% of our population. Now, that's just facts. It's 32 million black people in America. 20 million have been aborted. More black babies are being aborted than they are being born. You cannot be pro-black 
and pro-abortion. That uh, just does uh, not work. Hold on, let me finish. You won't 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 let me finish. You said you was going to let me finish. You said you was going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me finish. You said you were going to let me at such high risk of dying from pregnancy so, complications. So, this, y'all, excuse me, it's this is a story published Propaganda. in Association. Because they don't want black, black babies here's in America. The quote. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's partly why the overall rate of pregnancy-related deaths has climbed over the past two decades making the maternity mortality rate in the United States the worst Why? in any industrialized Why are country. Why black women dying? I'm not done birth? talking. According to a 2016 analysis published in the journal The Lancet, quote, it's basically a public health and human rights emergency because it's been estimated that a significant portion of these deaths could be prevented. Said uh -oh. Dr. Anna Lang, director of the Women and in Health Initiative so at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health in Boston. So we're not Robert, dying. This is what I'm asking you, and this is the issue. When I listen to people talk about pro-life and they talk about the unborn, y'all gonna stop what trying I to make it seem like black women dying is, from having What I also ask is, for instance, when Louisiana passed their law, I had the black legislator on here. What she said is. They passed their law dealing with uh, un, uh, unborn, but they also said they also passed dealing with this whole issue of infant mortality. Mm -hmm. The issue that I have is when people are loud are saying they pro-life and they only want to limit it to the unborn. They don't want to deal with these issues. So if you life, you should be dealing with this issue as so well. Let me, let we, we, Robert, then Angela. Yeah, we, we have to deal with the fundamental concepts of what we are as a nation that what are our actual values? What do we actually believe in? That uh, we have to understand you, your social economic level, the amount of money you have should not determine whether or not you get to live through childbirth. Agreed. That the low gear zip code should not determine the type of hospital you can go to, the type of uh, postnatal care your children can have, the type of education and lifestyle and future they can have. So I think that we, while we are setting any political agenda, it doesn't have to be a Republican or Democratic agenda. The right. agenda should be, do we want our children to grow up and be healthy? Because these are folks who have to carry us on for the next generation. And regardless of how we get to that fundamental goal, let's get to that goal. I think that's the issue that gets lost in some of the, the broader conversations, that we can't simply make it a, a one-trick pony issue. It is a comprehensive birth till adulthood conversation that we need to be having. And where we invest our money at in our society is where our values are. So we should move there, and I think we bring more people along with us. Angela? So what I want to say is in regards to what you were saying about the position on pro-life. To me, honestly, if, if, if there's a crazy man out there that kidnaps my daughter and cuts my daughter up to a, in a thousand pieces, do I believe that person deserves death? Absolutely. I'll probably kill him myself. I cannot compare someone that's sitting on death penalty, someone that's had, been given the right to life and had a chance to live to that of a unborn child who, who has not been given sorry, the right to life. I'm sorry. Excuse who, me. Who's your Everyone uncle? 
Everyone, let me finish. No, no, everyone, excuse me. Everyone that advocates for abortion has already has been born. No, no, who's your uncle? Nobody advocating for abortion has been aborted. No, no, who's your uncle? So it is unfair, my god uncle. Who's Martin your god uncle? King Jr. And he did not stand for abortion. Who's, who, who's your god? Who's your godmother? LV the King. Okay. Let me also ask you this question. Since you're going Yeah, because you won't never no, no, let no, me no, finish. No. You, you always cut me off. Are you a Christian? I believe in God. Do you do, are you a Christian? I believe in God. Do I'm you, not gonna call myself a Christian. Do you do you believe that a person has the ability to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Yeah. So so if you put somebody to death, and th that means that you don't have the opportunity as a daughter. If somebody I, I, I'm allowing, my daughter, I'm gonna I, kill I, I'm I'm, a, I'm asking the question. I want everybody to know I'm that. Asking the question. If somebody harms one of my children, right, or takes so, something from so, me, and so they're what, innocent, so what, so they deserve death. So what you're saying death. is, you're not really a child of and God. And the Bible say an eye for eye and a tooth no, for a tooth. What do you really mean? you're not a child of God because what you're not I'm doing I'm is not. you are not extending. So what you're saying is I'm that somebody, if you put somebody to death and you never give them an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, then why are we aborting children? Excuse me. Excuse me. Why are we aborting unborn babies? Allow me to finish my question. If you say that you're all about life, and Robert explained this, see that's that's no 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 that's no, no, no. pro life. No, no, you trying to make you me, you no, trying to make me you, Jesus? What you're doing? No, I'm not. You trying to make me no, Jesus? Actually, no, I'm not. No, no, no. Pro life. Word, ain't nobody ain't and nothing the in the pro life God, movement is fighting for anybody on death penalty. The whole pro life movement is see, about unborn children. And, that's, and right there. But let's talk and about so, no, no. And so what you've done? You trying to add something no, else Angela, into the pro life movement? Not, that's not there. What you have now done? What you have now done is exactly the fundamental problem. So if you feel like all life counts, why are you standing with a Angela, I'm not done. What you are doing is you want to simply place life in this extremely you gotta small be box. You got to be born. Jesus was born. Jesus wasn't aborted. Jesus was born. I'm talking here. You got to be born. I'm talking here. What you also don't want to deal with, and the people who are watching need to understand this as well. What you don't want to deal with, Angela, is that if you are truly, if you care about life, that means that you're not paying people not to grow food. If people truly care about life, then they will be saying, we got to make sure that nobody in this country so you is going hungry. Me, I'm not, so you I'm not me, done. I was a, I'm not I was done. a single mother I'm on not welfare. Done. I got all the benefits I needed to raise my I'm children. Not actually, tell the truth actually, now. if you want to get the most money, tell the truth if you want to get the most money, tell what the you truth should now. do is be an Ain't no children out here, star ain't no children out here starving in that, America That now. is a lie. Where they at? Oh, my God. Where they at? Did you actually just at? say there are no Where children starving Where in America? At? Where at? We have food stamps. Are you? We have food stamps. Angela, People can get food stamps. We have section aid. We have. Okay, so if we got children starving in America. Why are we you fighting to open our borders to actually, illegal immigrants? Do you read? Why are we fighting to open the borders to illegal immigrants? If you can't take care of your own, you why are you opening the borders to others? You actually just said there are not starving children in America. Listen, we are Angela, not a third oh, no, no, no. world country. I, I want to be clear. Did I you just say that? Any. My whole life, I've never seen a starving child Where in America. Where do you live? I'm in Atlanta. Where are the starving children Angela, at? Angela, I've Angela, never Angela, seen Angela, them in Angela, my Angela. life. Let me help. You know what? Well, Where you, they at? You obviously... I'm from the hood. Your, well, you, you from the Where hood. They at? You obviously Where they, And everybody get food stamps in the hood. What they are sell you them talking? too. Ain't what nobody starving in the hood about? now. Ain't nobody in the hood starving unless it's the homeless people on the side I of the street. I have never... I, here's the deal. Let's be I, honest. Let's Robert, be real. I know a lot of conservatives. Where the starving children I know at? a lot of black So I can go feed them. But I have never in my life, in my year, since 1991, as a professional journalist, because I don't want nobody starving. I have starving. never heard a Republican or conservative say there are no starving where are children they? or people in America. Where they at? Robert, go ahead. Where they at? You Robert, know where some I, I at? I know you got to go, but Robert, Do go ahead. Do you know where some, where some at? Because I want to go feed them. Where they at? English Avenue.
right English. down English Avenue, right down the street from the new stadium. You can go to Hollywood Road. There's uh, one of my friends, There's Russell. starving children yeah, out there. One of my friends, Russell, has an organization called Occupy the Hood. What we do is weekend feedings for people. Mm. Um, so they're not starving. Y'all feeding them. Well, the reason we're feeding them is because they don't have their own resources to be able they're to eat. They're feeding them so, because so they're starving. So there are organizations all over America that feed people yeah, that so, don't have food. So let's so, stop acting like people out here just starving. Because people in Atlanta the, go down to the corners and feed those people but, all the time. But the, the point is we shouldn't be in a situation where people have to depend on the charity of strangers. We should live in a social system where people aren't living under bridges, where they're not sleeping in tents downtown, where they have the ability to, instead of drug, instead of drug addiction being treated as a Guess criminal what? enterprise, it's I treated as a medical uh, thing. So I let's agree. talk about building. So you, know, you know the beautiful society If y'all know we, we got those about? issues, why are we opening our borders to millions of illegal immigrants to come in and we can't take no, care of no, our that's own? That's not the point. We're no, that is the point. Right if now. I, no, 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 no. I, yeah, listen, I'm, I've been doing nonprofit work in Atlanta yeah, for 15 Atlanta years. Right well, you so, I don't know what part of Atlanta you obviously doing work in, but you clearly are missing the serious dude, part. Do you dude, even hold up? Ain't nobody hold up. For somebody who's even related, Atlanta, Dr. King, do you even fed. know who Hosea Williams is? Of course I feed the homeless. And what do they do? Feed people so they don't starve. And they're starving they're while not. they feed them. No, no. Oh my that's God. Not. So why they feed they Andrew, feed them? How they starving? Are you do serious? Do you know how many children call, go to Atlanta public schools hungry? And do they get do you fed know, at school? Do you know? The, do they get do fed you know at school? Don't we got all types nope. of food boxes and food pantries all over Atlanta actually, where they can go and get actually, food? Actually, Angela, you had people who were trying to do the cuts in those programs. Listen. I, I sat right here. The SNAP program. Mm -hmm. The people you support, mm -hmm. Donald Trump, mm -hmm. they tried to make significant cuts to the SNAP program because they For said... Able-bodied No, no, no. See, this is where if you stop talking... You're talking about what happened. No, Angela, Angela. But you talking Angela, about what Angela, they wanted to do. Let's wrong. talk about what was done. Angela, they got stopped because it was sane Democrats mm -hmm. and sane Republicans well, why Democrats who said, I'm not done, enough to stop who them said from killing to, who said to Governor Perdue, who now is over the Department of Agriculture, who said, we are not going to shrink the amount of food and just put them in blue boxes on the table to people. We are not going to do that. Okay. We are a much better country than that. Okay. But the reality is, but the same people, the same people, Robert, who are sitting here talking about, oh, yeah, we can reduce the, reduce the food. Given $30 billion Who in subsidies, $30 billion to, to farmers because of Trump's tariffs, what? more money than the bailout cost. Let, let's understand, it's not just the farmers. We've had, um, I think, two of the nation's biggest dairy farms uh, filed for bankruptcy in the last Ten percent of Wisconsin uh, dairy farmers uh, actually uh, about a business. Yeah, not not, not to mention... No, we got you. All right, Andrew, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for being here. Robert, go ahead and make thanks. your point. Uh, well, I think that the, the final point that, that just has to get made is understanding that when we're talking about government, we're talking about the allocation of resources. And if we're going to be devoting that much money to get people to not produce milk, to not produce uh, products, we need to have that same amount of compassion and infrastructure to ensure that children and, uh, and people who are below the poverty line have access to the foods and goods that they need. This is the fundamental issue. And folks, just so y'all know, uh, Ben Watson uh, is doing a documentary on the issue of abortion. Uh, and he sat on my set and he interviewed me for it. And I said to him then that the people who call themselves pro-life, they purposely want to limit the conversation to this very narrow box. The point I'm making is this here. If you say you're pro-life, be pro-life, not just the issue of those who are unborn. And that's, if y'all want to call them out, 
That's how you challenge them. Ask them, do they care about the people uh, who are on opioids? Ask them, do I care about those who are strung out on drugs? Ask them, do they care about the lives of people who are alcoholics? Ask them, do they care about the women who can't, can't get neonatal care and have issues with those pregnancies? Ask them those questions. See, what they want to say is, oh, black people are killing babies. But they ain't talking about the fact that uh, white folks are actually having fewer babies than anybody else. They don't want to talk about the white abortions taking place at private health care centers and not at Planned Parenthood and public centers. See, the people who are so-called pro-life don't really want to have these life conversations because, see, as you heard Angela, they want to narrow the discussion on life. And she said, no, you can't expand it because she admitted it. The pro-life, she said it, y'all, right here. The pro-life movement is only about the unborn. And that's why, in their public policy, they will allow what's happening to those children on the, in the cages on the border. That's why they say nothing when black men are being shot and killed by cops. That's why the pro-lifers say nothing when African-Americans and Latinos are being beaten by cops with police brutality. That's why they say nothing when it comes to kids uh, who are starving, going to school, and they're talking about how do we cut uh, the food uh, programs, the breakfast and the lunch programs. That's why they say nothing when it comes to all of those issues. If you are truly a person who is pro-life, it's going to be reflected in all of the policies you support, not just the issue of abortion. Got to go to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about, of course, uh, impeachment. The Senate has voted to quit Donald Trump. That's next, Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Non-voting is a fruitless temper tantrum. Judge Bruce Wright. All right, folks, join Dr. Jackie Hood Martin as she engages others to think like a leader. Are you looking to enhance your leadership or that of your team in 2020? You can join her newest online course and mastermind group called How Successful People Think. She will be your guide as you learn timeless leadership principles to apply to daily living. The offers expire on February 28th. She's a certified John Maxwell instructor. To register for or, or start the online course today, go to www.livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg. That's livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg. All right, the impeachment of Donald Trump. The trial is over. The Senate today voted 53 uh, to 47 not to convict Donald Trump. One Republican stood with uh, the Democrats, and that is uh, Utah Senator Mitt Romney. Here's what Senator Kamala Harris had to say on the Senate floor. When the framers wrote the Constitution, they didn't think someone like me would serve as a United States senator. But they did envision someone like Donald Trump being president of the United States, someone who thinks he is above the law and that rules don't apply to him. So they made sure our democracy had the tool of impeachment to stop that kind of abuse of power. 
The House managers have clearly laid out a compelling case and evidence of Donald Trump's misconduct. They have shown that the President of the United States of America withheld military aid and a coveted White House meeting for his political gain. He wanted a foreign country to announce, not actually conduct, announce an investigation into his political rivals. And then he refused to comply with congressional investigations into his misconduct. And unfortunately, a majority of United States senators, even those who concede that what Donald Trump did was wrong, are nonetheless going to refuse to hold him accountable. The Senate trial of Donald Trump has been a miscarriage of justice. Donald Trump is going to get away with abusing his position of power for personal gain, abusing his position of power to stop Congress from looking into his misconduct and falsely claiming he's been exonerated. He's going to escape accountability because a majority of senators have decided to let him. Ooh, ooh Lord, y'all, but the Republicans are mad as hell at Senator Mitt Romney. You had Donald Trump Jr. T tweeting, expel him from the, Democrat, from the Republican Party. Here's some of what Mitt Romney had to say today. The Constitution is at the foundation of our republic's success, and we each strive not to lose sight of our promise to defend it. The Constitution established the vehicle of impeachment that has occupied both houses of our Congress these many days. We have labored to faithfully execute our responsibilities to it. We have arrived at different judgments, but I hope we respect each other's good faith. The allegations made in the articles of impeachment are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. I was not wrong. The House managers presented evidence supporting their case, and the White House counsel disputed that case. In addition, the president's team presented three defenses. First, that there could be no impeachment without a statutory crime. Second, that the Biden's con conduct justified the president's actions. And third, that the judgment of the president's actions should be left to the voters. Let me first address those three defenses. The historic meaning of the words high crimes and misdemeanors, the writings of the founders, and my own reasoned judgment convinced me that a president can indeed commit acts against the public trust that are so egregious that while they are not statutory crimes, they would demand removal from office. To maintain that the lack of a codified and comprehensive list of all the outrageous acts that a president might conceivably commit renders Congress powerless to remove such a president defies reason. 
The President's counsel also notes that Vice President Biden appeared to have a conflict of interest when he undertook an effort to remove the Ukrainian Prosecutor General. If he knew of the exorbitant compensation his son was receiving from a company actually under investigation, the Vice President should have recused himself. While ignoring a conflict of interest is not a crime, it is surely very wrong. With regards to Hunter Biden, taking excessive advantage of his father's name is unsavory, but also not a crime. Given that in neither the case of the father nor the son was any evidence presented by the President's counsel that a crime had been committed, the President's insistence that they be investigated by the Ukrainians is hard to explain other than as a political pursuit. There's no question in my mind that were their names not Biden, the president would never have done what he did. The defense argues that the Senate should leave about the impeachment about an eight-minute speech that uh, Mitt Romney actually gave there. Robert, um, he, he, here's the deal. You saw Mitt Romney there. Look, and I've criticized Mitt Romney on other issues, but you saw him choke up because he knew what he was doing. He knew that he is about to be ostracized. He, knew, he knows that he is going to be attacked. He did a series of interviews with Fox News and other conservative media before the vote. They knew what was coming down. But this is what the framers actually expected. That if you were the most in the most deliberative body, they called it, the United States Senate, that you were going to do, put country over party. Because first of all, when they created the Constitution, there were no parties. Mm -hmm. That's what they expected. What they did not expect was blind allegiance. Well, you know, if you want to dive into it, uh, one of the things that Washington included in his farewell address was a prohibition against factionalism. That he felt that even in his, in his cabinet at the time, that you would have people who would become so factional that he felt at one point in time it would destroy the nation. This is why if you look at Federalist number 65, I think it's paragraph 3, Alexander Hamilton articulates the fact that the reason they, are pla they placed the impeachment trial in the Senate is to be free from the passions of the uh, House of Representatives at the time the Senate was appointed by the state legislature and not directly elected by the people and because and they felt that that would be the most deliberative body you don't want it to be in the Supreme Court in front of unelected judges who might have an allegiance to the party that uh, or to the president that appointed them you don't want it in the house to be uh, compelled by the passions of the uh, people you want it in the Senate where it's deliberative I, I think beyond just Romney the most damning portion of this entire trial was the testimony by or the argument by Dershowitz uh, and also the statements by the swing senators who still voted for acquit acquittal. Yeah, Ben Sass, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, uh, Marco Rubio. Cory Gardner. Yeah, Cory Gardner, Lamar Alexander, Mitt Romney. So you had nearly, uh, nearly 10 Republican senators who said, yes, the president is guilty of everything he has been accused of. Susan Collins expressly said, yes, the president is guilty, but I feel like Congress has failed us. Lamar Alexander said, the reason I voted against having witnesses is the president is so guilty, I don't need more witnesses to know that he's more guilty. The analogy he needed, uh, he used was saying that if eight people say there was a car crash, why do I need a ninth person to say there was a car crash? So you have that many people in your own party saying that you are 100% guilty. And even your lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, who made two stunning arguments. One being that, yes, the president did everything he was accused of, but that's not impeachable. Secondarily, that the president can do whatever he wants as long as it's in favor of his own reelection. That, that, that also makes it not impeachable. Under his rubric, nothing Nixon did would be wrong. 
the break-in of the Watergate Hotel was simply to help him get a re get reelected, which is in the public interest, and therefore it should be constitutional. So uh, the fact that the president and Republicans are taking a victory lap on this, I th think it's not borne out by the facts. The victory that they have is the fact that they had a majority in the United States Senate. It's not that he was uh, acquitted, as they are saying, because you can't be acquitted without a trial, you can't have a trial without witnesses and evidence. What we are really seeing right now is that so many people put party above facts, above evidence, that you'll get a statement like you got from Murkowski uh, saying that the president did everything he did, uh, or even the statement from Rubio, the president did everything that he uh, was accused of doing. All of those things are impeachable constitutionally, and I'm still voting for acquittal. So it's a very dangerous place that we put ourselves at, because without those checks and balances, what is there to stop the president from doing anything articulated in Article 1 and not simply governing by fiat? And then to say, well, you know, that's really not our job. No, actually, it is. It's, that's why it's in the Constitution for you to do that. So it, 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 it was just, to me, it was, it, it was shameful. And now all of a sudden, you've had... You've had Congressman Collins, Doug Collins, Georgia, and Senator Collins of Maine both say, well, you know, we think the president has learned, and he's rebuked them. During the, during the State of the Union, uh, he has already rebuked He was like, uh-uh. I ain't apologize for nothing. Mm -hmm. Because we remember in 1999 at the State of the Union address, Bill Clinton, after while he was still on Senate trial, he apologized to the nation for the actions he had taken. And let's understand, if the president had not taken this hardline position from the beginning, impeachment probably never would have happened. If after the call had came out with Zelensky, if he had simply done an Oval Office address where he said, I was giving, given bad advice by Rudy Giuliani, by our uh, national security apparatus, I'm not a professional politician, it was not my intention to uh, to break any federal law. We're making the uh, proper changes needed to ensure that uh, we're fighting corruption in the Ukraine and defending the needs of the American people. Done. Nothing else happened. So this dig your feet in, never admit defeat, never back down strategy is what brought us to this place right now. And I also think Democrats have a lot to learn from this, uh, which is uh, don't rush through the process. Don't skip steps. That if you if you want something to be taken seriously, then you fight it out in the courts. You well, and, sure and, you what, you, and what you case. don't do is you don't, because the whole deal was, let's get it done before the caucuses start, the primary season start, so the candidates don't have to deal with this sort of stuff that they can run. But this is also a deal of constitutional issues. Speaking of the caucuses, folks, we still don't know who the hell won the Iowa caucus. Here we go to my iPad. Uh, you see right here that uh, Pete Buttigieg has a slim lead, 26.7% over Bernie Sanders, 25.4%, even though Sanders actually has more votes than Pete Buttigieg. The fact that today is Wednesday, and this was Monday night, mm -hmm. this shows you how absolutely idiotic the, the Iowa caucuses are. And then they released some results, and then they sent a statement out saying, hold up, we got to correct that. I mean, but I thought you were waiting all this time for quality control. So, so we're going to not know really who won until probably tomorrow, maybe Friday. Yeah, that's a debate Friday, and New Hampshire votes next week. To me, I was utterly irrelevant now. Uh, Iowa was irrelevant beforehand, and it's completely irrelevant now. It has no bearing on what will happen in this race, because let's understand, the winner in Iowa will probably have a grand total of 40 to 45,000 votes. That is less than you need to win a city council seat in most places. You can't become a state rep with that number of votes. So the idea that this gives any indication of what the preference of American voters are going forward as far as selecting Democratic nominees is nonsensical. What, what Iowa does is it shows who is willing to pay the most money 
to uh, to political activists in Iowa. Because remember, Buttigieg's lead isn't based off of being the first choice. Iowa goes through rounds, so after the first round of caucusing, if you're if you don't make the threshold, the 15% threshold, then your uh, uh, then your second choice, you get pulled over to them. So what Buttigieg really racked up on was being the second choice of Klobuchar voters, being the second choice of Yang voters, being the second choice of Biden voters. So we're not really getting in real information out of this. The only thing that really says is who's willing to spend the most money to prop up Iowa's economy uh, every couple years in order to make That's sure that people get into a room. That's all that Iowa means. Uh, I'll tell you this though, uh, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, uh, granted, he's lu he's lucky. Uh, all the drama is over. Nancy Pelosi tearing up the, uh, the the speech, and Trump not shaking her hand, and all this drama. He finished fourth. Bad. They uh, they fired his Iowa uh, field director because uh, apparently precinct captain precinct precinct captain some didn't even show up. Mm -hmm. Others didn't know how to run a caucus. What the hell, dude, you run for president two previous times. How in the hell you don't know how to run a presidential campaign? Uh, the, the thing that I think we're seeing out of this is the concern for the Biden campaign has been momentum the entire time because he hasn't been the most exciting candidate. He hasn't been the person, the a candidate of big ideas. The people, there's no passion behind Biden. It is uh, Leslie Jones on Saturday Night Live articulated the best when she said, "Oh, that's Obama's granddaddy." That is what. <laughs> no, but, but, but yeah, I, 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 think, I think I think part of the issue is also that he, that frankly they 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 thought they wouldn't coast. Mm -hmm. I I I think I think the Biden people are operating like Hillary Clinton did in 2016 and 2008. Yo, I got this. It's like no. What this is showing is you have to run. It's, and, I and you have to run hard. And, and you're not going to be handed anything. And I think the bigger concern is going to be Bloomberg right now. Because right now, Bloomberg is running third in Florida. He's uh, third nationally. Tom Steyer's in second place in South Carolina, gained and got the endorsement of the Black uh, black Women's Legislative Caucus. Well, here's the deal. So, First of all, here right now, uh, Steyer performed horribly in Iowa. The bottom line is here. What's going to happen in New Hampshire? What's going to happen in Nevada? Let me say this right now. If Joe Biden comes in third and fourth mm -hmm. in New Hampshire and Nevada, I'm telling you right now, black people are going to abandon Joe Biden in South Carolina. If Joe Biden does not come, let me be real clear. If Joe Biden does not finish in first place in South Carolina, mm -hmm. He's done, and, and that's why the Steyer point is so important. Because uh, what we've what we've seen is when somebody campaigns hard for the black vote, it is possible to get it. And what uh, what Steyer has done is dump millions and millions right. into street money, into political uh, activists on the ground, not to the D.C. lobbyists who come down to run the campaign, but to grassroots organizations who are actually out there getting the vote. And what we're seeing with Bloomberg, Bloomberg has unlimited money to run. It's the first in American political history and in recent American political political history, where somebody can simply say, I don't need the first three or four primary races. I have enough money to run nationally. Understand that if, if, Donald, if Donald Trump had ran his Super Bowl ad, without Bloomberg's money, there would have been no Democratic response, because no other candidate has the economic resources in order to do so. And but right the, now, Biden's money is drying up, and he needs to be concerned about but that. But the only thing Bloomberg also has to worry about, you can spend all that money, but eventually, you're going to have to talk to the people. That's actually a real question. And eventually, you're going to have to talk to the people. And then, so the question is, will he do it? I had I, I gotten a text. I don't know if this is a real text or not from somebody with the um, 
uh, Bloomberg campaign. Um, but um, I got a text about that. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll respond to it. We'll see, we'll see what they have to say. All right, y'all. Uh, Bear Rustin, Byron Rustin, a gay civil rights leader arrested for having sex with men, has been granted a posthumous pardon by California Governor Gavin Newsom 67 years later. He was jailed on a morals charge. He was eventually convicted of misdemeanor vacancy and was sentenced to 60 days in jail. The offense landed him on the sex offender list, cost him jobs, and was used to basically deny him his proper place in the civil rights movement. People like segregationist Senator Strom Thurmond, who read Rustin's arrest record on the Senate floor, uh, trashed him. Now, following the success of the Montgomery bus boycott in 1956, Rustin was the one who really introduced nonviolence to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He also was one of the two organizers, along with A. Philip Randolph, the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, and was the main person to push the movement and King towards, as I say, towards nonviolent ideas and tactics. And so certainly uh, that is a uh, good thing by the governor. Michigan State University has issued an apology after students found dolls of notable black Americans hanging from strings on trees in a gift shop. The display featured Barack and Michelle Obama, Prince Martin Luther King Jr., and Harriet Tubman. Michigan State officials took down the display after receiving complaints. University spokeswoman Emily Gherkin Garant issued a statement of apologizing to students and noting that employees and volunteers at the Wharton Center will undergo racial bias training. All right, folks, let's talk about what's happening in Houston, Texas Southern University, where the Board of Regents last night voted to fire President Dr. Austin Lane. Frankly, folks, they read this long statement and the evidence is frankly very thin, uh, what they read, and it came to some issue, when it, some drama when it came to admissions. So here's some of uh, the board secretary, uh, Mark Carter, reading uh, what took place with uh, President Lane. As personal chair, I move that the board chair be authorized to deliver to Dr. Austin A. Lane a notice of termination for cause under his contract with such, with such supplements as appropriate, and such notice shall include an opportunity for a due process hearing and for Dr. Lane to request a mediation. Is there a second? Second. I was been uh, moved and properly second. Any discussion? All yes. Case? No. Discussion? We should. I think he has to make a statement. Go, go ahead. This time I, um, I'm going to read the notice of termination for cause. Dear Dr. Lane, the Board of Regents of Texas Southern University, the board, via action taken at, at a posted board meeting on February 4th, 2020, has authorized the delivery this notice of proposed termination for cause in accordance with Section 7B of the employment contract between yourself and Texas Southern University dated October 25, 2018 contract. All right, folks, that's about a 14-minute video. We want to thank the student at TSU for sending us the video. Uh, we're going to have that on our social media platform. So here's the deal. They allege that he had some inconsistent statements when it came to an admissions uh, issue in their law school. Now, uh, my understanding, according to my sources with the universities, that was that when the dean of the, co uh, dean of the law school found out that some improprieties, that he recommended that this employee be fired. 
He told the president, the president agreed the employee was fired. So now the regents are trying to suggest that Lane didn't say the same thing in two different interviews that they gave. Now Lane is going to, tomorrow, uh, is going to hold a news conference where he is going to uh, speak to this issue. Uh, they have been averting this for quite some time, uh, explaining this whole deal. It's so much drama there, Robert, uh, with the president, extremely popular, has raised lots of money there. Uh, the actions of these regions has frankly been intolerable and shameful. Uh, and again, what they laid out is weak as hell. Well, I, I think it's important for us to get both sides of the story and get all the information out uh, into the public eye uh, because w we have seen the uh, what happens when you have a president of HBCU who is not acting in the best interest of the students. Uh, we saw what happened. I was at Clark Atlanta when Morris Brown College closed down, for example, and the president took off and just disappeared. Uh, so uh, let's ensure that we have a full public airing of these things. And this is one of the times where it's so important to have black media outlets with a voice such as yours to bring light to these issues and ensure that uh, everything is above board and happening in the full light of the public. Well, these border regions have been trying to hide from the media. They didn't want to explain why they put them on administrative leave. They laid out all of this sort of stuff. Uh, folks, if y'all roll the video and fast forward it, it was packed. It took place in their library. There were a lot of supporters of Austin Lane who were there, who were very angry with this border regions, demanding more answers. And so uh, we certainly hope to get those. Uh, and we've been reaching out to the border regions to come on this show. Uh, they've been quite unresponsive, which is no surprise. And I tell you right now, when somebody's unresponsive to explain what the actions they're taking, that's a red flag for me. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Now, I already had to educate Wendy Williams one time. Now, I got to take Wendy Williams to school a second time for her comments about Jay-Z, Beyonce, Blue Ivy, and the national anthem. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. My message is about changing our way of thinking about women in abuses of power. Law professor Anita Hill. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Nope. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the. it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they make these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look 
So there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to rollinglistmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All right, so first of all, that graphic is way too small. So uh, tomorrow we're going to run it right down here all across the screen. So it's rollinglistmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who is a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Bring the Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. All right, y'all. Last week, not last week, hell, Sunday, the Super Bowl, TMZ captured a picture of Jay-Z and Beyonce seated during the national anthem. Some people took offense to that and were upset. Well, during Wendy Williams' Hot Topics discussion on her show, Wendy decided to call them out. Beyonce and Jay-Z were getting um, slammed on social media for not standing up. They were with their girl, uh, their daughter, Ivy, and... <sighs> Thank you, TMZ Sports, for showing us the picture. Everyone was standing, like, this is only a picture. Of course, Khaled's in it. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? Um, but, but when they were performing, if you all saw the actual performance, people were standing up as the bombs burst in air. You know, you put a hand over your heart. I don't know about you, and our country might be in a bad way, but there's no place I'd rather live than America. And some of the first songs I learned in my life, even as a little girl, America the Beautiful, Oh Say Can You See, and all that other stuff. Like, my mom and dad, like, like trips would be to come to see the Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building and in, in Philadelphia, that Liberty Bell and, you know, going to Washington and passing the White House and stuff like that. Like, you know what, Jay-Z and Beyonce and, and Jay, you might be an NFL owner, and I get that in respect, but you don't own all the NFL. You own this much. And Beyonce, I love my <laughs> Ivy Park dress. But Jay-Z and Beyonce, you understand all eyes are on you, and you should have stood up. If you don't like our country, then... Jay-Z responded saying that they were sitting because they were really focused on the performance of Demi Lovato, of course, his rock nation. They're over the, uh, the, all of the uh, music performances at the Super Bowl. He also said they were there discussing her performance. He also said he would not make his daughter part of any protest. 
Here's what I find to be very interesting about Wendy Williams' comments regarding the national anthem. Wendy, where was your commentary about this? the U.S. flag code that uh, we are supposed to stand and face the flag if there's one. Civilians should stand to attention with their right hand over their heart and military personnel in uniform and veterans should salute throughout. That was Donald Trump, the president, sitting here directing, waving the people, all fidgety. Hand over heart? No. Melania, yeah, but not Trump. But here's the other deal, Wendy. Did you watch Supo? And when Demi was singing, were you standing up at home? Or were you like 99% of the people who watched the Super Bowl sitting on your ass? See, here's what I find to be offensive, Wendy. That you would intimate and essentially say that Jay-Z and Beyonce can leave if they don't like it. I recall reading Jackie Robinson's book, I Never Had It Made. And he titled the book, I Never Had It Made, because he said, as long as there's one African-American who is not fully free, I never had it made. And Jackie Robinson explained in the book why he doesn't salute the flag and why he doesn't sing the national anthem and why he doesn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Because he talked about, the, in his book, the pain, the racial hatred of what he had to endure. Now, there are people who say, oh, but that was Jackie, but you didn't have to do that. But see, every time an African-American is beaten by a cop, there's a U.S. flag is on that uniform. So, the, so should we ignore that? See, we all don't actually have to do those things. We actually have the right to protest if we want to, Wendy. And then for you to say that, oh, these were the first songs you remember singing and you remember going to see the Liberty Bell and going to see the White House... Well, your parents are graduates of HBCUs. I'm sure they taught you when the White House was built by slaves. I'm sure when you went to go see the Liberty Bell, they explained to you that when that bell was rung, it wasn't for us. See, it's real easy, Wendy, to sit in your position and then play this, oh, I'm such an American. Well, there are some real fundamental issues that people have when it comes to what's happening in this country. It's always amazing to me how many people are so patriotic. And they say it's disrespectful to the military and first responders. You know what I say is disrespectful to the military and first responders? When we don't even understand why we even fight. People say that they're fighting for our freedoms. Well, exactly what freedoms are those? I recall that if you talk about the freedoms in the Constitution, there's the First Amendment which allows for us to actually protest, allows for us to actually assemble. It's first for a reason. It's before the second with the guns. It's before the third and the fourth and the fifth and the 16th. It's before all the additional amendments. It was first for a reason. But see, Wendy, when you play this little game and trying to be, oh, I'm so patriotic, 
why don't you actually use your platform and tell your audience about American history? Why don't you use your platform, Wendy, during Black History Month to tell your audience about the black men who were lynched in their uniforms? Why don't you tell your audience, Wendy, about the black men who fought in train depots with white men, white soldiers, as they got back from Germany? Individuals who they were so-called so fighting on the same side against racism and bigotry in against Germany, against the Japanese. Why don't you talk about the hell that black soldiers had to pay, Wendy, in the military? Why don't you talk about during Black History Month how black people have had to love a country that did, did not love them? Why don't you talk about civil servants who work in the federal government, who work for the Treasury Department and the Secret Service and the FBI, and who had to file racial discrimination lawsuits against this very government. Why don't you talk about the hell that black folks endure right now working in public policy? See, I, it's amazing to me how we always want to talk about the national anthem and celebrate the flag, but don't want to say a damn thing when people are using the same system against us. I want to know, Wendy, when will you talk about that in your hot topics? When you will cover any of that in your discussions? When will you talk about the racial inequity and when it comes to income in this country? If we want to talk about the national anthem, Wendy, if we want to talk about the flag, Wendy, let's have a real conversation, a full conversation, and not some petty conversation saying that Jay-Z and Beyonce should leave. No, Wendy, I dare say, what Harry Belafonte said when I interviewed him. I asked Harry the question, Harry, you love, you can, you love the South of France. And he said, this is why, he said, I could easily move to the South of France. I can easily go somewhere else. I could easily travel around the world. But he said, I'm staying here to make America be the country she said it was on paper. And what you need to understand, Wendy, is that I don't care what Jay-Z said in response to this and trying to clean it up. What you need to understand, Wendy, is that black people will never be questioned by white people or people like you when it comes to patriotism. Because there have been no greater patriots in this country than black people. There have been no greater patriots than people who have loved a nation that did not love them. And if it means sitting or kneeling, Wendy, damn it, that's what we will do. Because we are going to exercise the freedoms of the First Amendment because the black people have actually made the country accept people for really who they are. Do you understand, Wendy, that two days ago was the 150th anniversary of the 15th Amendment, which gave black men the right to vote? Yet here, Wendy, we are in 2020, 150 years later, and black people are still dealing with voter ID, still dealing with voter suppression. Please share with me, Wendy, when are you going to have these conversations on your hot topics?
When are you going to have real conversations about what black folks are dealing with all across this country, not some silly-ass entertainment stories, Wendy? But I'm talking about stuff of substance. I'm talking about things that actually matter. And so, you want to chastise Jay-Z. And let me also do a fact check, Wendy, because I got clearly fact check you like I had to do Angela. Wendy, Jay-Z is not an NFL owner. Jay-Z don't own a whole team. He don't own half of a team. He don't own a quarter of a team. He don't own 10%, 5%, 1%, 0.1% of a team. So please, if you're going to go on television chastising somebody, please use Google first. Now is not the time, Wendy, for black people with platforms to use them who are flat out wrong. And you are wrong. And so maybe, Wendy, you should pick the phone up and call folk like me before you open your mouth. Now, see, I told you this last time, and you had me on the show, and let's just be real honest, y'all had me on the show because you and your then husband called me because y'all lost $2 million in sponsorship, and y'all needed to clean that thing and stop the dam before more money walked out of the door if we really want to spill some tea. Let's be real. And remember, Wendy, I got receipts. Because when I spoke in Florida, I met your daddy. And your daddy thanked me for setting you straight about your comments about HBCUs and the NAACP, Wendy. See, I got receipts, Wendy. So if you want to have a discussion, Wendy, on your show about black people and protest, and the national anthem, you got my number. But please use your platforms to properly educate folks and not live in a fall, in a fog of ignorance. Wendy. All right, folks, you want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered, please join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support what we do to make this show possible. This is a show that is unbought, unbossed. We are independent. We are black-owned. That's why it's important for you to support what we do. These other folks, I didn't wait for them to give me a show. I said we're going to create our own and have our own platform to say what is needed. And that's what, what we do. So we need your support. I want to thank all of you who have given to us uh, right here on YouTube. Thank you so very much. Anybody else out there? Cash App, PayPal, Square, you name it. We want 20,000, y'all, I just want y'all to understand. 20,000 of our followers. If we get 20,000 of our followers to give 50 bucks each for the whole year, $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day, whole show's paid for. We can hit the campaign trail and broadcast from South Carolina when they have the debate in the primary that we can be in Georgia, we can be in Mississippi and Alabama. Because let me just be real clear, got these other black shows out, these other black websites, they ain't out here doing this stuff. I mean, they got a couple of people. I'm talking about having these type of conversations every single day. We got a thousand y'all on Facebook right now, 3,000 of y'all on YouTube right now. We got uh, folks on Periscope. We need your support to make this possible. 
Now, we broadcast last two days the Congressional Black Caucus Emergency uh, Leadership Summit. No other black media covered it. No other black media. Nobody else did. So when this show ends, and I want all of you uh, who, and again, the 3,000 on YouTube, the 1,000 on Facebook, uh, the more than 100 on Periscope, I want you to sign right back because we're going to play for you with Reverend Dr. William Barber. What he said, the Congressional Black Caucus, and the nearly 1,000 people who were assembled for that summit. Y'all, you see what Donald Trump is doing. You see what the Republicans are doing. We have got to have a place where we are not bogged down talking about no silly ass entertainment stuff, talking about just sports stuff. We have got to have a place that's bringing the news and information that we need. So please support what we do. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.